Welcome back to the Woot Podcast, where we sit down with top athletes, researchers, scientists, and thought leaders to learn what the best in the world are doing to perform at their peak and what you can do to unlock your own best performance. I'm Kristen Holmes, VP of Performance at Whoop, and we are on a mission to unlock human performance. On this week's episode, we're going deep on your circadian rhythm and how light exposure affects your body. I sit down with Dr. Samer Hattar, a world-renowned expert in the field of non-image forming photoreception, or how light affects circadian rhythm, sleep, mood, learning, stress, and hormone levels. Light has an enormous impact on performance levels. Dr. Hattar is credited with discovering neurons in the eye that set our circadian clocks and regulate mood and appetite, which was a groundbreaking discovery in the field of circadian health. Dr. Hattar and I discuss what the consequences are if you view light at the wrong time, the importance of light exposure in the morning, how light exposure can affect our next day mood and behavior, synchronizing eating windows and meal timing with our internal clocks, and how disruption of the circadian rhythm has significant influences on exercise function. Knowing how important circadian alignment is to your overall health, we've added the ability to track circadian health questions in the Whoop Journal. Check them out in the Whoop app and get tracking today. We also have an exciting new offer for Whoop podcast listeners. If you're a new member signing up for Whoop, use the code WILL, all caps, W-I-L-L, when you're checking out to get a $60 credit on Whoop accessories. That includes bands, battery packs, and our Whoop body apparel. Head to join.whoop.com to get started. And now here's our discussion with Dr. Samra Hattar. So honored to welcome chronobiologist and the chief of the section on light and circadian rhythms at the National Institute of Health, Dr. Samra Hattar. Dr. Hadar is a world-renowned expert on how light affects circadian rhythms, and his discoveries have helped us to better understand how the relationship between light viewing, exercise, meal timing impact our sleep, mood, energy levels, learning, stress and hormone levels, hunger, satiety, as well as our mental health. I think the best analogy for human health is that of like building a house. <laughs> If your foundation that's been poured is misaligned or is not optimal, you're gonna have leaks, you're gonna have mold, your house is just not gonna be as stable as it could be. And I think that's a great way to think about you know, our human health. And, and really, Dr. Hattar, where I wanna like focus our energy is around this concept of foundation. What are the behaviors that really impact our ability to have this really solid foundation that enables us to stack on other behaviors in a way that's as efficient as humanly possible. Because I always think if that foundation isn't right, it's just layering inefficiency on top of inefficiency on top of inefficiency. So when we talk about, you know, where do we actually have to apply our effort at a foundational level, I'd really love for you to help us think about that. You have developed this incredibly elegant way of thinking about a model for optimal human functioning. Mm -hmm. And perhaps we can kind of start there and really with perhaps with light. So I, I will start a little bit earlier, if mm -hmm. you don't mind. Oh, please, I mean, yeah. All organisms that ever lived on Earth, at least even simpler organisms like cyanobacteria, have mm -hmm. experienced the light-dark cycle. Right. So the Earth have been 
ticking information for billions of years mm-hmm. and you have this rising of the sun and setting of the sun. And so most organisms that we studied really carefully have a circadian rhythm. Circadian means circa means approximate and dn is day, so it's an approximate day within. So this is your foundation. Your foundation is that your circadian clock has to be aligned with the light-dark cycle that gave all organisms the time of day. For plants, it's easy to do it because they are sitting there enjoying the sun <laughs> and getting the information. But for us, we as a human, specifically after all these years of evolution and the importance of this clock, and we forgot that we actually have a clock that is not a watch. Right. And so we really abused our, our clock a lot. And we started thinking we don't need sleep, or if you sleep long time, you're stupid, or we came up with all these dumb ideas. Right. And what we forgot is that that is affecting our foundation. And that is affecting our energy level. That is affecting our cognitive ability. Right. So yes, we could overcome it. But if we had the foundation better, we could do even better. So thinking about that, I came up with the model that you mentioned. I figured out that there is at least three components that seems to affect every behavior. Mm-hmm. An environmental input, mostly light in mm-hmm. our situation, could be food, could be temperature, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about all of that. Yeah. A homeostat that measures the length of time that you're doing something, mm-hmm. and the clock that tells you the time of day. And it is this interaction with these three components that will allow you to understand behaviors at a, at a foundational level that becomes very important for humans to try to adjust to. So essentially, removing ourselves from the natural environment in this modern world has basically confused our clock potentially. Not only we removed ourselves, I mean, we did something even more dumb. We not only removed ourselves, we stopped going out. We started right. actually exposing ourselves to very bright lights at time when our body should not be exposed to bright lights. So not only we removed ourselves from the day-night cycle, which could have been bad, but right. we also told our body at home that, you know, this is the day when it's in the middle of the night. Right. So we actually literally flipped our day when our activity is still, you know, diurnal. We flipped our day to be nocturnal. So what is the consequence of viewing light at the wrong time? Because really that's what you're saying, right? We're we're viewing light at a phase of the natural light-dark cycle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the consequences has been studied, you know, ad nauseum, as they say. And it affects your sleep. Um, When you have sleep deprivation, it affects every physiological function in your body. Sleep has incredible restorative functions. It has an amazing importance for your ability to learn and memorize. In fact, studies have been done that are beautiful, showing that if you study something, sleep on it, you learn it much more than if you study it and you don't sleep on it. So in in fact, when people pull an all-nighter, not only they are destroying themselves, but they are not actually allowing the consolidation Mm -hmm. of the material they learned. So it's double disastrous. You're affecting your clock and you're not allowing sleep to come in and do stuff. And then when you start eating at the wrong time of the day, there's a huge amount of research that's just showing that eating at the right time of the day by itself Mm -hmm. has a huge advantage to your body in addition to calorie restriction and in addition to fasting. But specifically, eating just at the right time of the day has an incredible importance for your physiology. I want to definitely 
come back to that because I, Absolutely. you know, Sachin Panda's work yeah. around just time restricted feeding, mm-hmm. I think, is is really important, and I think that's another component. I think that folks don't consider when we talk about wanting to optimize our sleep and you know yeah. get the most consolidated sleep so we can learn better. Yeah, you know, I think and people. I, I would just like to add that there is a new paper from Victoria Acosta from. Jota Kahashi's lab mm-hmm. that you combine time restricted feeding, fasting, and calorie restriction. Wow. And it's mind boggling. It's in science. I've read this paper, I talked to Victoria. It is just an, an amazing study that shows that all three components play a role, mm-hmm. not only time right. restricted feeding, but calorie restriction and fasting, all are important. These are, but if you think about it again in the model, yeah. It will make sense, right? You right. can. You, you're not supposed to be eating 24 hours a day, so right. fasting is important. Right. You have to eat at a certain time of the day, so time restricted feeding is important. Right. And too much calorie is is actually will have negative consequences because you're adding all these components to your mm-hmm. body which you don't need. But thinking about that in the context of light is really is, Absolutely. is critical. It has right? to be. It has to be. So I think just to go back to sleep again, I just want to make sure that this is really clear because mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I don't know that people realize. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about optimizing sleep. You know, getting more consolidated sleep, more efficient sleep. People think about their pre-sleep behaviors. Mm-hmm. They're going to think about and, and their maybe their hygiene, which are important. I'm sorry. But, do you mind if I interrupt you one second? No, here? no, no. That's the problem. This is important. Sleep mm-hmm. hygiene is important, but For that's sure. one component. Mm-hmm. But if you and sleep hygiene is going to mostly affect your homeostatic drive. Right. But if your clock is out of whack, which is your pressure for sleep, which is this your is pressure for sleep for folks to know. But yeah. if your clock is out of whack. Sleep hygiene is not going to help exactly. you. Exactly. Yes. So what you need to think about is the three components. Mm-hmm. Homeostat, mm-hmm. circadian clock, and environmental input. Your circadian clock is not going to be as efficient and as beautifully robust if it doesn't get light-dark cycle. Right. So you need the light-dark cycle to be good. You need your morning sun. You need mm-hmm. enough sunlight. You need enough light intensity in the day in your active phase. Mm-hmm. And you need to avoid dark you know very bright light in the dark Mm -hmm. and you don't have to think of it as wavelength just think of it as intensity it's very easy to lower the intensity and do Mm -hmm. the experiment that i always talk about every time go to your house cut some lights out allow yourself five minutes to adjust and you'll be shocked how much Mm -hmm. more light you were using in your home than what you needed it's a very simple experiment people are good at perceiving light intensity you're absolutely right right it's actually very sad it's so sad but it's sad, but it's also evolutionary understandable, right? Yeah. I mean, to be able to see you, I have to look at contrast. I don't right. care about that. But otherwise, I will see you a different person in the sun and in the shade. Right. To be able to see you as Kristen outside and inside, I have to look at contrast. Right. Edges. Mm-hmm. And in fact, people even now think that color vision is really a contrast. It's not really color vision. Right. It's, a, it's a contrast. Right. So if you think about that, it makes sense that you don't care as a visual cortex, as an image-forming system, to actually see the total intensity of light. Mm-hmm. So consciously, your conscious part of your brain cares about image, object tracking, if something's coming to eat you, or if you're trying to eat something. But the total intensity is all subconscious. So you have no idea what is the intensity. You have an idea, but not a lot. Believe me, not yeah. as much people as, as they think. Yeah. It's incredible. It is. So to go back to just the protocols around 
viewing light. You know, one of the things that I see in the research that we're doing around mental and physical resilience is we're trying to really tap into what are the behaviors that move that around. So move around the physiology, move around the psychology. And what we found is that sleep-wake time continues to emerge and be predictive of mental and physical resilience. And my hypothesis is the folks who are able to achieve consistent sleep-wake times are obviously making a a very intentional choice, but I think it also probably has something to do when when they're viewing light in the morning. So if we want to help our listeners, you know, since we know sleep-wake time is really important, people are striving to be more consistent when they go to bed, when they wake up, how do they need to think about viewing light in the morning? Basically, that pulse of light is then going to set course for how one builds that pressure for sleep, right? Right. I would suggest a couple of things. Mm-hmm. One, so you don't have to be worried about like exact timing. It doesn't have to yeah. be with the you know rising of the sun. You also have to think about where you are in your biological rhythm and where you are in the phase relation to the light-dark cycle. But in general, when you wake up from bed, you take some time, you get up, and if you can go outside and you know if the sun is up already, mm-hmm. take that sun. It yeah. doesn't hurt you. And you don't have to stand in the sun directly, so you don't want to worry about your skin or you could right. be in the shade. Yeah. Outside in the shade in a sunny mm-hmm. day, you're going to get tons of photons that right. are more than sufficient. To and that's telling it. your body what? That is literally, actually, if you want me to go a little bit deep yeah, here, deep. the photoreceptors that we help discover mm-hmm. are really very insensitive to light. Mm-hmm. In a way, they need a lot of light before they start signal to the brain, which is nice evolutionary so they don't confuse low light with bright light. So when these cells are activated, they actually directly project into your brain and to areas that we know control sleep, circadian Mm -hmm. rhythm, and mood. Mm -hmm. So we actually know the circuits right now, some of it still in rodents, but most of it in humans as well. Mm that light can really enhance the activity and function of these brain regions. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I always tell my friends that getting light in the morning, like getting a drug that has nearly no side effects if you Mm -hmm. don't sit in the sun and hurt your retina or your skin. And it really is free. Like it doesn't cost you any money. And it's just fantastic. The impact is outsized compared to, you know. Honestly, and again, I, I think there is a lot of data that convinced me, but I'm also biased because I see it in my whole life. Yeah. I think the impact is amazing. And I had sleep doctors who told me that once I heard about your research and I just told my patient, do some sleep, sorry, light hygiene, just mm-hmm. simple light hygiene. Yeah. Like switch your lights off, you know, yep. go out, take some sun, you know. Yep. They said they will come and say, change my life. Yeah. I mean, is it's that so scientifically correct? I don't know, but I've heard this over and over again. Mm-hmm. I've read it over and over again in the internet when people say I've changed this and this is what happened yeah. to my life. So it, it seems like it's a it's a no brainer to yeah. do it and see how it affects you. I heard you say once, take a photon, not a pill. Exactly. And and I love that because yeah. it's it's such a simple way and of honestly, communicating. People the give importance. me slack for it because they think that I don't like pills. The pills have their role, and I'm fully vaccinated, and I believe in medicine. Right. But I'm, in the point is, don't just go to the pills first. Take your right. photon, try something, and then, yeah. you know, if that's the only way, yes, I take pills. You know, it's okay. And I think if we go back to the house analogy about layering inefficiency on pound efficiency, exactly. how do you rule out medication exactly. if, you ha- if you're not taking in morning light? Absolutely. Right? Exactly. You I may mean, not need as many medications. Exactly. always talk to your doctor about medication. Right. That's beside the point. 
So viewing light in the morning is important. You know, how do we need to think about viewing light during the day? We've got obviously lots of blue light blocking glasses. People are trying to block yeah, waves I mean, of light all over the place. Blue light in the day, that is just dumb. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just thank not you. gonna be like I'm No, just, tell us straight, Sammer. This yeah, is why we I have you on. We, make sense. we right. wanna know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> blocking it at night may make some sense, yeah. to be honest. But yeah. again, I still think there are ways to do it without having to right. do difference in contrast and affecting mm-hmm. your vision because that is going to also like we don't see pure colors in nature i mean right. it, it's really hard to imagine to see the world in a single color so i yeah. think for our vision because again i think as a holistic approach we were talking about the yeah. tripartite yeah. you could also imagine light affecting your clock but giving you good mood by the beauty like when you're right. in a beach or a beautiful right. forest or you have people who look nicer mm-hmm. you feel better right yeah the so, spectrum being having the whole spectrum, spectrum of, yeah. of light so i i'm not so i may be biased but mm-hmm. it's not my cup of tea i right. have to say after the sun goes down I am viewing as little light as humanly possible. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I don't know how effective the filters are. You know, there they are, are times... They are filter. They're, the filters, they decrease the intensity. They are pretty right, effective. Right, yeah. they're pretty effective. So I think, but the, the bottom line is, if we're viewing light after the sun goes down, it's going to have an impact on our system. So yeah. You're exposing yourself to light at night. You're possibly affecting the other important physiological function that light controls. Do you think it's impacting next day mood? And next day energy levels? I would say that it depends on the behavior. For mood, it requires more time, but it also required more time to adjust. So the problem, I think, is that, again, it's a beautiful time domain. Mm-hmm. Some stuff happens fast. Some stuff requires a long time. But there are people who become so unentrained and so unaware of the light right. that they become so misaligned that their body doesn't feel the pain consciously, but their system is out of whack. If you right. measure their system, you could see that it's all, all out right. of whack. So I think that's what eventually leads to, so the reason I don't wanna say the next day, because I don't want people to get scared that if I went out partying right. one night, I'm yeah. screwed. No, yeah. you're not. It's accumulated. You know, you're accumulated gonna feel a couple of days unhappy, but mm-hmm. if you get back to it, you'll, you'll be fine. But don't do this all the time. Don't right. have this as a habit. Right. Have the habit as the, the light hygiene mm-hmm. aspect of it. So if people wake up, have low energy you know, during the day, low mood, the question that they should be asking themselves, potentially the very first question is, when and how am I viewing light? Honestly, I've never thought about it this way, but I love this idea. It's the simplest thing they could do. It doesn't require any extra, just let me see. It's no expenses. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you know, Most probably maybe, you know, a lot of the people may not be because of that. But hey, let me try it. Let me see what happens if I have a light hygiene. I, I did a search on, on just looking into, you know, how does mental health affect my physical health and vice versa? And, mm-hmm. you know, what are the recommendations psychologists are giving? To be clear, that is my field of expertise mm-hmm. in psychology, but I spend a lot more time thinking about physiology. But... Mm-hmm. I found nothing about light hygiene. Nothing. There is nothing. People say uh, there are some, get out in nature, but it's not specific, Sammer. And I think people need kind of specific recommendations on how to think about light. I honestly think that just if you're feeling low, if you're having problems sleeping, just thinking about your light environment Mm -hmm. and try to improve it costs you nothing. It's just going to lead to improvements. So I think that's a brilliant idea. I'm, I'm all on it. Okay, let's talk about the relationship between light and food and mm-hmm. sleep. Yes. So walk us through kind of what that interaction looks like 
and hopefully how, how folks can think about the phase yeah. relation. The enzymes that are secreted to digest your food have a daily rhythm. Right. And they are the liver enzymes, the bile enzymes, mm-hmm. the spleen, the kidney, all of them have a clock that have a phase relation. Just right. again, like the symphony idea. Yeah, yeah. And when it's you're orchestra. in train, exactly. When yeah. you're in train, you're eating your foods at the right time of the day, you're having a regular feeding mm-hmm. pattern, everything is perfect. And that's the time-restricted feeding. It's right. not that complicated of an idea. So a lot of people will fast until, so I generally eat around 11 for mm-hmm. my first meal. Um, so I'm kind of restricting my window to about eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm eating food within an eight-hour block and then not eating the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. Now, not everyone needs to do that. So exactly. maybe just the more view, light I view in the morning, actually the less hungry I feel. Is there is there anything to that? Or Not, not that I know directly where food okay. can affect appetite, appetite or hunger, but what it's possibly happening with you because you have, again, adjusted your oscillators mm-hmm. To expect food at a certain time right. because remember I'm anticipating you're yeah. anticipating it's right. like again this paper by Victoria blew me away it, 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 really this experiment I looked at what it, is her last name Victoria again? Acosta I will I will email you her name but one thing that really blew me away she did a very cool experiment to tell the difference between fasting mm. calorie restriction and time of day where she gave the animals a pellet every two hours okay and Believe it or not, so every two hours in a 24-hour day, that means that animal have to anticipate it 12 times in a day. Oh, that seems really ex- expensive, costly, it's expensive, <laughs> But second, can they do it? They do it beautifully. Whoa. That's how powerful the clock is. That's how powerful. It has a 12th component. I will show you the actograms. You'll be stunned like I was stunned. What? It, it's unbelievable. It it. It's like so. It's not only like if you restrict their food to seven hours or six hours a day, they'll yeah. anticipate that food. They literally can anticipate it in multiple times in a day. So you can train you yourself. Can ex- exactly. I mean, that's and that's what, the opportunity, so, right? Yeah, so I what, what you've done, mm. because you have the will, mm-hmm. you said, okay, I'm going to wake up, expose myself to light, have my oscillators at a certain time. But the food entrainable oscillator in the periphery, and maybe there's one in the brain, we're still not 100, but at least the one in the periphery, it's going to expect your food at 11 a.m. So mm. you're not going to get hungry before that. Right. Okay. So with time, again, this is going to give you more control. Yeah. So that's what people forget. Like people think it's all subconscious, but actually it also gives you conscious control. Right. Because now if you're exercising at the certain time of the day, if you're eating at the same time, if you're sleeping, now this becomes natural. And people right. are like, why is she so much energy? Why is she able to go to the gym all the time? Because you have all these component aligns. And it goes back to your simple point you mentioned. It's all foundational. Right, right. Okay, so regularity is is critical. And then we can't be eating for 12 to 15 hours, right? That's not good for our Mm -hmm. system. So I I suppose we wake up and we have breakfast. Let's say we have three regular meals. What should the interval of time be? I always say for simplicity, I just eat when the sun's out. And then I try not to eat when the sun's down. I could tell you with me, it's really funny. Like, I am a morning person. Mm -hmm. I wake up really early in the morning. By 7 o'clock, I'm eating. Mm -hmm. By 2 o'clock, I'm still hungry and I have to eat. Like, if you don't give me any food from 2.30 till the next day, I will have no problem. I only eat for social because I love to eat. Yeah, yeah. But I don't feel the hunger. So my 
clock tells me I have to eat from 7 to 3 or something mm. like that. You just have to figure out your clock. Right. And as you said, if you don't feel hungry in the morning, don't believe people who tell you you have to have breakfast. Right. If you don't feel hungry, don't eat. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just eat the time that your body's telling you eat. And, right. And then with more regularity you will figure out what is your body's phase relation mm -hmm. between all these different oscillator and what is the best time to eat right. what component so what would be you know the it's going to vary you know per individual for uh -huh. sure we're saying there's lots of variation between my so there's a lot of variation on the output but there is not a lot of variation on the input, input right and uh, so i just want to make sure that that's the beauty about the light because the light in the morning is going to be as important for a morning person, an evening person, an right. animal that is olfactory. Right. They are all going to tell the same story. It's the day. Now, when you want to do stuff, it's mm -hmm. dependent. Mm -hmm. But the input has to tell you when is the exact day is happening, right? Right, right. Totally. Let's just talk a little bit about this window of time as such. And Panda's work says it's somewhere between 8 and 10 hours is really good. They did an experiment and they saw that people actually eat more like for 15 hours across the day, which that is... That experiment was shocking. It is mind-blowing, yeah. right? To, to really we know that eat. we eat or yeah. we're eating we constantly. Graze, yeah. What implications does that have if we're eating for 15 hours? And, and you know, what does the science tell us about restricting that window right. between 8 to 10? I mean, I could tell you something that we've knew as circadian biologists for so many years. When you eat, you're shifting your clock mm -hmm. in your periphery. Yeah. And if your body is still thinking it's night and your clock should be in the nighttime, the digestive clock, right. that by itself is already cause misalignment. Mm. So just by eating at the wrong time of the day, you're right. causing a misalignment. Right. It's not you're it's confusing not a, your system, you're confusing making your it work system. harder. Exactly. Yeah. And so it it's really just amazing. Like again, in these experiments, you could show that you could give the same amount of calorie, the same amount of fasting. But given the right time versus the wrong time, and you get a huge difference. I mean, that is just... That so is just mind-boggling, Content right? and quality of food obviously matters, but timing... Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, it, well, it absolutely. Just, uh, timing said, is, emer is emerging as just as important. Again, and I love just as important. to you, Kristen, because as a minimum of three, but you could add to that, right? right. You start eating better food. Right. Yeah. That Your system's working more component. efficiently. You start yes, craving absolutely. the right kind of foods. Yeah. And I think this is the opportunity, and this is what I'm so excited about your model, is that... Timing is free for the most part. There are yes. folks, obviously, who have big constraints yeah. of when they need to go to bed and when they wake up, you know, shift working. And, you know, and that's you know, all. I've, so, I've said about that. I take my hat for these people and right. I respect that they keep us. Right. But that's not an easy job. And no. that's why not no. many people can do it. That's but brutal. These are levers. Like if we understand how to interact with light when I'm working during the night and the day. It, I have to say, I still never figured it out just, for shift worker. It's just yeah, so hard. It's I, you, hard. Could, you could lower it. I know. Lower the you, intensity. Lo and, no, and Lower the impact. Like, you yeah. know, make sure that at least if you're shift working, don't switch a lot. Again, right, right. take regularity. Yeah. Very simple. Make it as a longer time. But it's still, it's not going to be like you and me where we have We're the so freedom and, and the, the privilege to yeah. sleep and wake up. At. Yeah. yeah. So... That's it's something hard. that bothers me. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. In Denmark, now they, they consider, you know, shift work. A carcinogen. Yeah. 
because crazy. they notice in nurse. I mean, it's I just it's I know. not that crazy, right? I mean, because the no, we didn't know. We, we, we know it makes and, a lot of sense, yeah. and I believe these conversations are important because I think the truth is really important, and Absolutely. I think it, it gives us when we have the right information, Absolutely. we can start to make these small changes that actually over time I think do have a. I'm, I'm hopeful that they're going to have a meaningful impact Absolutely on mitigating, Absolutely you know, anyway. some of the diseases and. You know, I think one thing we could do, for example, is. Like, I don't know if you're thinking about that, but I thought about this. If you want to help shift worker not to suffer so much is to lower the amount of hours. You can't expect shift workers to work eight hours like us. Right. You make like four hour shifts or yep. five hour shifts. Lower the light intensity, make sure because they are short shift that they're yep. not going to go to sleep in these lower light intensities. But then have somebody drive them. Yep. home so yep. they don't drive when they are extremely tired right. or they have to be exposed to light or right. stuff like that right. so i'm sure we could do stuff and i'm sure you guys are thinking much beyond me because there are ways to do it yeah but we really have to be honest about the problem first yeah. which is what you're saying okay so we're we've kind of tackled light we've tackled i think feeding windows mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about exercise because mm -hmm. i think that's another one that really entrains our clocks, our, our system in a pretty powerful way. Mm -hmm. How can people think about when they are doing an intense movement, so not just you know normal activity, but they actually are working out, is there a timing to that that's important? Is that also something that we want to try to make as regular as possible? Like, what are the parameters that yeah, exist? Yeah, I mean, if you look at animals, clearly there is a very clear window where they like to be active, right? right? So there is no doubt that the activity has a beautiful diurnal rhythm. And there is no doubt that adding wheel or exercise for the mm -hmm. animals gives them more enriched environment. The problem is to try to separate the intense activity, time of day of activity, and all on the effects. So what I really tell people is like, as long as the exercise is not so close to your bedtime that you can't sleep because you exercise, I can't see a negative aspect to exercise. Right. Right? I so mean, whenever you can get it in, it's it it's, just seems to, to be in. embedded into animals to be active. Mm -hmm. And I and I thought about this a lot to be honest. I was like and the reason I thought about it because I always struggled with weight when I stopped playing mm -hmm. soccer. I was like, why is life so unfair? that you need to work so hard to burn like even half a Snickers bar, right? right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> and you think about it, and it's a brilliant evolutionary reason. Because imagine if exercise was really efficient as burning your energy. Then you have to hunt 10 times more. Yeah. Then you will die hunting because your food is going to yeah. be depleted. A, a thousand percent, so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You think about it, it's actually it makes very total simple. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want your exercise to be so efficient at burning. So yeah. if you have to hunt or if you right. have to exercise. But it, Just it stinks in this world of abundance where we have to try exactly. to exert exactly. so much self-control. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think there is something really amazing about exercise, which I really cannot think what it is. It, it makes me think about like how people thought about sleep in the past before mm -hmm. we knew about learning and memory. And yeah that it does something and you know they all measure all these positive outcomes right mood enhancement telomeres whatever yeah. you looks feel energy yeah. but i still don't know why do you have to like why exerting yourself is important and one one really impressive experiment that i think people don't know much about where if you knock out the clock only in muscle you actually affect sleep in the whole animal so somehow it seems wow. that the muscle 
themselves. And if you think about how much muscles we have, yeah. maybe the muscles themselves are playing a role in enhancing our sleep, our so mm-hmm. having them in optimal conditions and being active. I mean, another another very interesting observation: your grip strength oh, is yes. actually. You know that it's oh, yes. one of the most important component yeah. of how healthy you are. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's, the it's Canadians have much, done a bunch of. Yeah, uh, they're, yeah, they're all yeah, over the grip, about, yeah. grip research. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it it so we're starting to get some clues mm-hmm. about why exercise may be important because like, you know, maybe if your muscle degenerate, mm. now you're not taking as much sugar for your muscles, so sugar is floating around. Yeah. I don't know. Insulin goes up. Insulin going yeah, up yeah. is not important, but if you have more active muscles, they absorb glucose and the clock there is more mm-hmm. so this is all speculation yeah. and based on my reading right but it's something i would love to go into but i'm just so into the brain right now yeah. that i haven't done a lot on that to wow. be yeah that'd be really interesting to understand but i have to say there that. is no doubt if you look at most experiments most of that that the lack of activity not necessarily intense activity but just the lack of activity has an incredible correlation, and we know correlations yeah. are not causation, sure. with unhealthiness. Right. There is just right. simply no doubt about that. Yeah. There is something about activity. You know, I, I think we see in our data that when folks are below their typical activity levels, they don't get into deeper stages of sleep. And of one, anecdotally, in my own data, uh-huh. uh, there's no question that when I am just at my computer, like grinding away, you know, and not able to kind of do my normal activity of level, just even walking around, you know, just the the non-exercise, you know, kind of activity. Now, the evidence much that exercise increases homeostatic drive, isn't that, I, I should check that, isn't that proven? Uh, for sure, yeah. Okay. There's yeah, no question that thought. exercise so is going to increase, your sleep. you're yeah. going to want to fall asleep sooner, sooner yeah. for sure. So, and it's going to um, improve the level of deepness of it so that's yeah yeah and we always you know what we do at, at whoop we have a an algorithm it's it's kind of our sleep need recommendation oh, i see and we basically tell you how much time you need to spend in bed and one of the factors one of the variables that we use to um inform that algorithm is how much activity you've done so what your oh, cardio and not steps cardiovascular, cardiovascular load yeah. right because there is there's load I think that is going to, it's not just physical load, but it's cognitive load as well. And that manifests in your heart. Absolutely. So that is, there's no question that I think the amount of load you put cognitive physical, and we call this strain on our system, mm-hmm. um, is going to inform how much time you need to spend in bed in order to optimally regenerate for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I think no question that, you know, the less activity you put in your body, generally speaking, the less time you need to spend in bed. But what's interesting is not the reduction in how much time you need to spend in bed, but it's actually the reduction in the quality of sleep that's right. interesting to that's me. That's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem. And mm-hmm. when we are not active, we simply don't sleep as well. Exactly. We because sleep you lighter. We have the drive, yeah. So anyway, I, I think that there's there's a lot to do, I think, Absolutely. in that space for yeah. sure. We launched a new feature in the app, which we're really excited about, but it gives people the opportunity to think about their circadian health. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to have the opportunity to really start to think about the relationship between their light viewing and meal time. Wonderful. And, well, that would um, be great. and I would exercise. I know, I know. That and, is and that's really cool. what's really cool. So yeah. I, I've kind of put this laundry list of questions that people will uh-huh. be able to journal about uh-huh. and um, with some really specific um, parameters in terms uh-huh. of magnitude and frequency and whatnot. So 
what will be great is we'll end up with this really neat data set, hopefully, that we can start to kind of knit together. And then it may prove, like, the importance of, like, the input being consistent, but you could be much more flexible and plastic with how you align your other outputs, Yes, definitely, and how they might impact each Each other, you know? Absolutely. Because if I'm doing one, then all of a sudden my behavior around fueling might change, and and I might feel more energy to exercise at a certain time if I start viewing yeah. light more consistently and yeah. really dimming, you know, my evening right. light yeah. viewing. And yeah. yeah, so we're really excited about that. And, That's really cool. And yeah, so this conversation is going to help, you know, hopefully Wonderful. just launch this to our members to really start to think about the relationship. Wonderful. But I would love to, to really figure out how we can kind of measure light so people can just get a framework for, because as yeah. we said in the beginning, you know, we're that really is, bad at perceiving light. I honestly light. think that's the... That's the holy grail right yeah. now is to figure out how we can get sensors that are close to our eyes mm-hmm. because putting a sensor here and I'm looking there, it yeah, doesn't it just mean doesn't, anything, right? I know, right. So you really have to have a sensor. Like I sometimes hope like we could put something like yeah, that. Yeah, just like a the, just the, little chip here, right there. Yeah, yeah. that measure because that, that I think is going to tell us so much more mm-hmm. than we think. But right. that's the holy grail right now. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to talk, just maybe mm-hmm. end on shifting the clock. Oh yeah. We did this really cool experiment. Uh-huh. So uh, in my role at Whoop, you know, I do a lot of research, I do a lot of public education, and uh-huh. I used to work a lot with teams. Uh-huh. And one of the teams that we worked with, um, really high performing collegiate soccer team, you uh-huh. know, national championship level. They've got many internationals, mm-hmm. Olympic level athletes on their team. It was incredible. So they were traveling from the East Coast to the West Coast mm-hmm. for their playoff games. Okay. So I kept them on their East Coast time zone. Uh-huh. So we kept their meals light and training time when they went to the west coast on east coast oh so kept it regular and what we saw samra in the data no physiological changes so their hrv stayed you know relative normal to their baseline everything we kept everyone the same yeah so it just reinforced this idea that wow if we stay in our home time zone yeah we and we, you know, view light. Of course, we were having. Yeah. They were waking up at three in the morning. Yeah. So they're, yeah, in, yeah. So you know, they're the at point. Stanford, and you know, there's Santa Clara the other time. Yeah. But you know, they're at the in this in this Pacific time zone. But you know, we just they bathe themselves in artificial light, you know, to That's kind so of wake awesome. up the system. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, they yeah. went down to have breakfast at four o'clock in the morning, and literally kept themselves That's on East Coast. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. So it was an amazing experiment, yeah, and is. we replicated it. I, I, honestly, I would have told you 100 percent that it work. would be. True. <laughs> but but to get folks to do that though. Oh Sam, yeah. That that's the hard one. That's, that's the hard one. Getting like, humans to do things. My hats off for you. Exactly. To well, it's these women. That. They are just woman. the tip okay, of the spear, right. and yeah. they wanted to win a national championship, oh, and wow. they did. They and have the drive. It, yeah. They had the drive. But it begs the question that wow, okay, we can actually acclimatize potentially by you know using t- these levers if we are traveling, right? Yeah. Or if I have a wedding in my own Absolutely. time zone. Absolutely, a lot of high uh, end clients they mm. do this they have done this that's why i would have told you it would have worked yeah if they can't travel first class but that's right you know so they travel first class they sleep at their mm-hmm. amount they go to that they manage all their meeting to be within their day so they have a very yes. short period of time yep they don't adjust to the new but mm-hmm. they don't see the city they are yep. in business they come back yep nothing yeah it's like as if you went from 
Baltimore yep. to Buenos Aires. Yeah. You know, the same zone, nothing <laughs> happens. You know? you know, last year, last October, I traveled from Boston to Salt Lake City, uh-huh. to gave a presentation, and then Salt Lake City to Milan. Uh-huh. And I basically kept myself on my my home time zone. Uh, no and problem. No problem. Yeah. And, you know, and it's amazing because I have all the data yeah, you know, yeah, to yeah. be able to kind of show I, there's no perturbations in my system. if there was any problem. It's amazing. So yeah. I think that there's like, a really cool opportunity for people to think about meal, you know, sleep wake timing, obviously, but think about light and meals and exercise. Just to ask you, what, how mm. intense the light to use? That's what I would love to know. Not at least 900 lux okay. of artificial light. So it's so not that intense. Not that intense. So I wonder if this would work for a limited period of time because it may affect the clock, but then eventually your mood is gonna, because mood is much less sensitive. There's a lag. There is a lag. And remember, ah, I told you mood takes a long yes. period of time. So this is great for a short period of time. Yeah. But I would guarantee you it will not long, work for a long period of time. That is so interesting. Okay, so for short so bouts of work. travel, For short good. bout, it's actually a brilliant idea if, you're, okay. if you want yeah. to win. Right. All right. Yeah. If you want to win. Yeah. yeah. And these are just, this is literally seven days. And what's great is yeah. these are student athletes. So when they return back home, they, were, yeah. they had normal. exams. Exactly. Totally normal. No yeah. problem. So that makes total sense. Okay, so short term. Yeah. Long term, we'll have to deal with that. Yeah, long term is not going to be feasible because right. you're but not you're going to adjust. If you're staying somewhere for a long time yeah. anyway, you're going to adjust to you're that time adjust, zone yeah. anyway, and you're not looking for right. this Absolutely. kind of fix. But it's a brilliant idea. Okay, let's talk about temperature minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think this is a really interesting it's an amazing lever yeah. as well that no one really recognizes. Yeah. So, just temperature minimum is basically if you just average the last week of when you typically wake up naturally, yeah. your temperature minimum is two hours before that average mm-hmm. time of waking. So, yeah. if I typically wake up at 7 a.m., my temperature minimum, my lowest temperature yeah. of the day, is going to be 5 a.m. I can't believe I didn't use that to explain my uh, alignment. That's the whole beautiful thing it, about alignment. Well, I wanted right? to make sure we hit on that because yeah, yeah, yeah cuz right. this is really right. the alignment piece, exactly. you know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think So what happens when you travel across different time zone is right. that your temperature minimum and your sleep are completely dissociated. Exactly. Okay, so talk about that Yeah, yeah is, no, so you're right. Really, so yeah. that that's the beauty about the whole concept of yeah. the three components. Right. The phase relation of your temperature rhythms mm-hmm. which is separate from your sleep rhythm. They are right. correlated again, but they are not really driving each right, other's most right. of the time is that before you wake up in a certain hours your body temperature for some reason goes to a very low level right and you know it, it really de- decreases by sometimes up to one and a half degrees right mm-hmm. so and that relationship tells you a lot about how good your sleep is yeah because it's the synchrony between all your different orchestra players mm. And so when you when your temperature minimum is happening when you're just going to sleep or when it's happening when you're active, yep. that tells you a lot already that you're missing something, right? We need to get outside. We need to get outside. We need to get it's outside. Easy. It's yeah. nice. I know. It's free. And you feel the seasons. You feel the seasons. In yeah. the cold wear a coat, in the yep. summer wear shorts. Yeah, you know? exactly. Who cares? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, this has been such a fun discussion. Yeah, really I could wonderful. literally talk to you. Me too. <laughs> I keep going forever. Yeah. But you've been so generous with your time it's and just your insights uh, have been just incredible. Um, I've learned so much. Um, where can folks find you? Sam, is it just your, what's your handle on Twitter? Just Samer Hatar? Yeah, I think it's okay. my Samer with an E, Hatar with an A. Yeah, exactly. And then you're on Instagram as well. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much for the wonderful fun. questions. 
Many thanks to Dr. Samer Hattar for joining us on the Whoop Podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode of the Whoop Podcast, be sure to leave a rating or review. It's a great way to share your feedback and to help other people find the Whoop Podcast. Check us out on social at Whoop. You can email the Whoop Podcast, podcast at whoop.com, or you can call our new listener line and leave a question or comment and your question might be answered on a future episode. Again, that number is 508-443-4952. Thank you so much for listening to the Whoop Podcast. Have a great week.